Good morning. Before I start, I'd like everyone to do me a favor. Pull out your phones. We're going to need them for later. So if they're off, turn them on. Just uh, keep them on silent if you don't mind. And I got mine because this is where I have my notes. So <laughs> apologize. So Daniel chapter one, very well known chapter for, for many people that go to church. It's a chapter that we like to tell the story to the Sunday school kids uh, high school kids, we love to tell this chapter and talk about this chapter because life-changing events seems to be very similar with the time frame as when Daniel was around. But for us, people that are adults that are no longer kids, does this passage still have any worth for us? Are there still truths here that are applicable to our day-to-day? The answer is obviously yes. So let's do a quick mental exercise. Think back to a time in your life where it seemed like One day to the other, everything changed. Life was no longer the same. You maybe had rights that were taken away from you. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe it was the death of a family member. But life wasn't quite the same, and things were just difficult. If you're having a hard time thinking of a time in your life where that might have happened, just think back to the past year that we've had. Overnight, it seems like all of our lives have changed. And now as we start to approach what we're going to be calling going back to normal, Um, it seems like this passage is very timely because it it looks like we're in the same situation as Daniel. Whereas life goes back to somewhat normal as we're adapting to this new lifestyle, it's now our turn to change and to show people who we are. So let's open to Daniel chapter one and let's read. Chapter one of Daniel. In the third year of the reign of King Joachim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon advanced against Jerusalem and laid it under siege. Now the Lord delivered King Joachim of Judah into his power, along with some of the vessels of the temple of God. He brought them to the land of Babylonia, to the temple of his gods, and put the vessels in the treasury of his gods. The king commanded Aspenaz, who was in charge of his court officials, to choose some of the Israelites who were royal and noble descent young men in whom there were no physical defect and who were handsome, well-versed in all kinds of wisdom, well-educated and having keen insight and who were capable of entering the king's royal service and to teach them the literature and language of the Babylonians. So the king assigned them a daily ration from his royal delicacies and from the wine he himself drank. They were to be trained for the next three years. At the end of that time, they were to enter the king's service. As it turns out, among these men, there were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But the overseer of the court officials renamed them. He gave Daniel the name of Beltelsar, Hananiah he named Shadrach, Mishael he named Meshach, and Azariah he named Abednego. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the royal delicacies or the royal wine. He therefore asked the overseer of the court officials for permission not to defile himself. Then God made the overseer, the court official, sympathetic to Daniel. But he responded to Daniel, I fear my master, the king. He is the one who has decided your food and drink. What would happen if he saw that you look malnourished in comparison to other young men your age? If that happened, you would endanger my life with the king. Daniel then spoke to the warden, whom the overseer of the court official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servants for 10 days by providing us with some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance 
with that of young men who are eating the royal delicacies. Deal with us in light of what you see. So the warden agreed to their proposal and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, their appearance was better and their bodies were healthier than all the young men who had been eating the royal delicacies. So the warden removed the delicacies and the wine from their diet and gave them a diet of vegetables instead. Now for, now as for the, these four young men, God endowed them with knowledge and skill in all sorts of literature and wisdom. And Daniel had insight into all kinds of visions and dreams. When the time appointed by the king arrived, the overseer of the court officials brought them to Nebuchadnezzar's presence. When the king spoke with them, he did not find among them, the entire group, anyone like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, or Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and insight the king asked them about, he found them to be ten times better than any of the magicians and astrologers that were in his entire empire. Now Daniel lived on until the first year of Cyrus the king. Let's pray. Dear God and Heavenly Father, as we start diving into the book of Daniel, and as we dive into this first chapter, uh, let us see the important aspects of Daniel's life and his friends that carry them throughout the whole book. And let us see how applicable it is to us, even in today's day and age, especially now as um, we're all starting to go back to work or school and uh, life is starting to, to gain somewhat normalcy. We just ask, Lord, that this may be a new day for each and every one of us and that there may be a portion here for each and every one of us. Father, we just thank and ask all this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. There are three points I wanted to touch upon that are very clear in this chapter and that carry Daniel and his friends, especially in the first half of the book of Daniel. Those three things, for those of you that are are taking notes, are their identity, their influence, and their perseverance. And it's these three things that I would like to look at this morning. First off, their identity. It's very clear that Daniel and his friends did not forget where they came from. It's very clear that they were, they saw that they were obviously Jewish young men, and they wanted to uphold that tradition and honor God. And because of that, they would live their life accordingly. What's interesting with this idea of somebody's identity is that it doesn't apply just to Christians, but applies to Christians and non-Christians alike. Whether you believe in God or you don't, it doesn't matter because your identity is what fuels your lifestyle. Your identity is what makes you make all the small decisions in your life that lead up to who you are. So being comfortable with your own identity and knowing who you are is crucial to live a meaningful and full life, or at least to accomplish the objectives that you have. Let's take a secular example first, okay? An athlete. Athletes have to sacrifice a lot to be professional athletes, whether it be diets, foods that they restrict from eating, whether it be the time that they take to train, the time that they take to rest. If they train hard, their body, their muscles break down and they need to rest. So they go to bed early to wake up early to start training, to start running. So that when the time to compete comes, they're in peak condition. These are all sacrifices that they make and decisions that they make on a daily basis that affect their life. And so their identity as an athlete dictates their whole life and everything that they do, all the small decisions they make. It all comes down to them being a professional athlete. But Daniel's identity is different. Daniel's identity can be shared with us as well. He sees himself as a follower of God. He sees himself as somebody who wants to please God and honor God with his life. And whether you're a believer or not, it doesn't matter because this identity is still at your grasp as well. 
It's funny because in Ephesians chapter 2, we read this before and after, this change in identity that people have once they find Christ. Let me read that for you. The first 10 um, verses of Daniel cha- of, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2. And although you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you formerly lived according to this wor- world's present path, according to the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the ruler of the spirit that is now energized in the sons of disobedience, among whom all of us also formerly lived out our lives in the cravings of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That was the before. And now we come to the swing verse in verse four. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with, with what he loved us, even though we were dead in transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus to demonstrate in the coming ages the surpassing wealth of his grace and the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so that we may do them. Once more. There's this before and after with God, right? Before, by default, we're all sinners. We're all living for what our desires and our wants are. But God, that's that swing verse there. He interjected his love. We, we sang about his faithfulness and we talked about his faithfulness in the first meeting. But look how faithful God has been with, with everybody, all of humanity, that he gave his son, his precious son, to die on the cross for them. If you're not a believer yet, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior, there's still time. You can accept this free gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You can't buy it, but it's through faith, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that you can obtain this. And if you don't want to commit to something that seems so permanent and so drastic, that's great. Let me do what Daniel did to that warden. Why don't you try for 10 days, 10 Sundays, find a church, insert yourself in that church and get to know the people. Allow them to be a part of your life and allow allow yourself to be a part of their lives and live and walk with them and see how God influences their lives and see how in those 10 days, God can influence your life. It's only about two months and a half, 10 weeks, 10 Sundays. That's all it takes. Why don't you give it a shot? What else could you have to lose? Maybe you can find a purpose and a new meaning to life. Maybe your identity can change because let's be honest, just that question of what's your identity There are people that go to therapy for years to figure out, and they still haven't gotten there. And who knows if you find your identity in Christ and are able to start living a more meaningful life. And for those that are Christians, for those of us that do believe in Christ Jesus, do we still hold to that identity? Are we living up to that? Or do we have to go back and maybe fine-tune certain areas in our life? That's the first point. As far as our influence, take out your phones. Do me a favor. Grab the social media that you're most familiar with or that you use the most and just take a look at the number of friends or followers that you have, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, MySpace, for those of you that have been around that long. Just take a look. Look at that number. I'm going to do a quick little math exercise. And let's say you have 100 friends or 100 followers. And out of those 100, half of those people Half of those friends have another 50 friends that you don't know, another half that they don't know, right? So 100, 100, 50, 50, so far so good, right? If you share something on, let's say, Facebook to make it easy, 
and they share it to their friends. You went from sharing it to 100 different people to now you're sharing it to 2,500 additional people. Now, if those people share to their friends list, let's say it's another 50 each to make the math easy, it's 125,000 people that see that post. And now if those people share, it jumps up to 6 million, over 6 million. The term going viral is that, right? One person shares something, it's shared, and it goes viral because it spreads so fast. And we tend to think a lot of times that our influence is only when we're, especially in the context of the church, it's only when we're up on a pulpit preaching or when we're doing youth group activity or when we're doing counseling or other things. But we fail to see that in our daily lives, we're influencers with our coworkers. For those of us that are in families to our parents, to our children, to our friends, they're all looking at us. And they can easily be swayed by the things that we do, whether it be good or bad. In this case, we see that in, chapter, in verse 8 of uh, Daniel, Daniel made up his mind. And because of that, him and his friends took that stand, right? That's what I find intriguing. It's a lot of times we forget this, that even in small interactions in our day-to-day can lead to other people around us making good or bad decisions based off of what we do or what they see us doing. So that's, that's one thing that we should be very wary about how we use our influence. But another thing is, are we allowing ourselves to be influenced as well? There was, um, there's a show on Netflix called Magic for Humans. And Nicole and I, we, we watched it a while back and we thought it was really funny. There was this one episode where the ma- magician grabs three very famous Instagram influencers. And he's, he asked them, do you guys think because you're an influencer that you can be influenced? They were very cocky, like, ah, no, no, we, we do the influencing. We're the ones who are the influencers. We're not influenced. It's like, okay, great. So he took them to this place where he has a lot of different props, a lot of different rooms. And he said, I want you to do this. Each and every one of you take a picture in the room that you want with the props that you want, with whatever caption you want. And so they did. He's like, all right, I made a prediction that you guys would take a picture in this room holding a watermelon and you would have this as your caption. And they all did. It's important for us to note that the people that we surround ourselves with as well, they influence us too. And they will help us achieve our identity as well. Who we choose to befriend, who we choose to to live life with has a huge role in how we're going to live our life too. Are we like Daniel? Or we're going to influence each other so we can challenge each other to all reach the same goal? Or are we just going to allow ourselves to be influenced by other people, by every little thing, and just be tossed to and fro? And finally, perseverance, which sounds a little odd in this passage, doesn't it? Because, I mean, we get to the end of the chapter, and we see how Daniel and his friends were successful. They were 10 times better than even the people that were born and raised in the Babylonian empire. And they grew up with the language, with the culture, with the laws and the teachings. So where's the perseverance in this? It's simple. We forget that they came from a land that wasn't their own. They were still enduring hardships. They still had to go and partake in the lessons. They still had to go and learn the culture. And they still had to grow in this. And as many of us are going back to work or getting new jobs because we lost the old one, we might find ourselves in a similar situation, a situation where we're doing something that it's not comfortable for us. It's new or something that we don't quite enjoy. 
something that we don't identify ourselves with because it's not who we were before. But who knows if God is putting us in that situation for us to learn something. If we're using this hardship as a lesson to grow, to grow as an individual, to grow as a person, to grow as a professional, and to grow as a Christian, to grow closer to God. And if you take a look throughout most of scripture, you see that this is a reoccurring theme. Joseph in Genesis, when he is sold by his brothers as a slave, was that fair for him? No. A lot of people remember the end of the story where he saves Egypt and his family, which was great. But we forget all about that middle of suffering, of perseverance that he still had to go through. Esther, which I think is a great example of a strong, independent woman in the Old Testament. What a great example to teach our daughters. But Esther was an orphan. And then she was uh, only called by the king when he had certain needs. So let's, it wasn't the best job ever. But we get to the middle of the book and Mordecai tells her, what if for this reason, God put you here? What if it's for this reason that you're undergoing all this suffering to save God's people and that God wants to use you? But he reminds, Mordecai reminds Esther, whether you accept that or not, God is still going to free his people. Now the question is if you want to be a part of it. I think it's really amazing when we start to look at this. A lot of times when we look at our life through this, this light, where the hardships in our life are not there to punish us, but to teach us and to guide us into something better, all of a sudden things start making a little bit more sense. We look in the past in times of hardship in our own life and we can say, these were the lessons I learned and I'm applying them now. And it's making my life easier now. So to sum up everything and to conclude, the book of Daniel is a great book. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. And honestly, this first chapter is the foundation for what happens the next at least half of the book, the next six chapters of the book before we get into the prophetic part. And I would challenge everyone, as you're reading, notice the identity of not just Daniel, but his three friends. Notice how firm they stay. Notice how many people they influence with their attitude. Because as we'll see later on in the story, it's not just these four men that get influenced, but kings and nations as well. And finally, look how much it took for them to persevere. Because there are going to be various points throughout their story that their life is going to be in danger. Let's pray. Dear God and Heavenly Father, thank you once more for your word. And it's just amazing how so many years later, we still have the same reoccurring themes in our own lives. And Lord, allow us to to be like Daniel. Allow us to be comfortable with who we are and understand who we are. We we are your sons and daughters. and, And we understand about your faithful love and how much you love us and how much you care for us that you sent your son to die on the cross. God also remind us on a daily basis that we do have a platform. It is our life. And we can use that to either honor you or to bring shame to you, Lord. And we just pray that you may challenge us to honor you and to surround ourselves with people that would help us with that. And Lord, give us the strength we need to, to overcome the obstacles that might be set before us. We know that all things you use for good for those that believe in you, Lord. And so just teach us the lessons in those hard times and allow us to see the bigger picture that many times we don't see. Father, we just thank and ask all of this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.